Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. What do you make of everything that is being said about Yeah, but I think that uh, around the house there are, there are a lot of bullshit. Yeah, because uh, this too, I think that uh, if I see the past, uh, it happened the same also with the other managers. A lot of bullshit. We are back, Chelsea fans, and hopefully unlike the questions being asked to Antonio Conte in his press conference on Friday, you won't be saying bullshit all episode. Am I right, Dan? Oh, I won't, but uh, Nick is still on the podcast, so we are... Hello. The jury is still out. (laughs) I I love that E rating, so let's just keep that rolling, you know, Brandon? You know, the way... Conte uh, stood up and fought for uh, pretty much like fake stories being published about him and him having zero tolerance for it. I loved, I loved, I think a lot of us though were a little confused on what he said initially because, you know, he just has a different way of pronouncing the world bullshit compared to how we do, Nick. If, if you were ever looking for a way to, to combat fake news in the, in the press, and there's a lot of that going around. I think just calling bullshit is a really nice, simple way to uh, to come back at someone. And, and whether or not those reports are true or not, who the hell knows? But he seemed 
uh, very agitated, and I think uh, rightfully so. No, that's very true. Uh, right off the bat, let's go ahead. Uh, we're bringing in our guest. Uh, everyone knows him in the Chelsea podcast world. Absolutely. The pod father is back. Chidge, welcome. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> everyone needs one this episode. Okay, is that mine? Uh, we'll uh, give you a couple more. Okay. <laughs> Boys, it's great to be back. Lovely to speak to you again. Obviously, very happy uh, to have you back on again. Uh, we've deepened our bonds after enjoying some pre-match beers uh, last May at the uh, at the Akak. So I, I'm just assuming this will be even more lively than normal. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, Dan, kicking us off, we do have two more iTunes reviews. Uh, huge thanks to those, uh, you know, just giving us some love. Yeah, we had uh, Crump Cornerback 42 from the United States and Lampard with nine eights. I uh, really think it should have been eight eights, but uh, a little bit of a missed opportunity from the UK, giving us some five-star reviews. So thank you very much for that. And as always, drop a five-star review on iTunes and we'll more than happily give you a shout out at the beginning of the next podcast. For sure. Uh, but, you know, before we get into the match, I know we've kind of teased this a little bit online, Nick. Uh, something about a big announcement between ourselves and uh, the Chelsea fan cast. I guess maybe this is a good time to tease it a little bit more, give it a little detail. Yeah. You know, as you know, we're going to London uh, December first um, through the sixth, and you know, as a part of our uh, our journey, we like to have kind of a night out with some of our our podcasting friends. Uh, Chidge being one of those uh, lovely people, and I think uh, I think Chidge, you might have a, an idea to to tease out there for the fans to uh, to think about. Well, uh, we we do indeed. And I mean, before we do that, I just like to give a shout out uh, to everybody on who gave the Chelsea Fancast uh, one star reviews on iTunes and said and, and said this is absolutely the worst thing they've ever heard and uh and, and never ever listen to it again and I'd just like to say we you know we're still going and we're nearly 10 years now so ha ha um anyway uh moving on yeah I can't remember how, how this came about really but um we were we were I, I don't know was it on Twitter we were we were talking about this but we kind of yep. You know, it was such a good. It was it was great fun when we all met up in the pub uh, when you guys came over last year. And uh, I know that you were keen to do some sort of sort of a podcast there. And of course, we just got drunk instead, which seemed like a very good idea at the time. But I, I just <laughs> thought it. You know, look, it, it's just. I know you've been on our show, and and I've been on your show as have many of the other uh, people who do the Chelsea fancast with me. But the fact that we're all going to be in the same place at the same time is is so rare. And I thought, well, we should really take advantage of that. So um, I said, why don't we do a, a joint podcast, a simulcast in old money? So I think the plan is is that uh, we bring along a bit of our gear and, uh, in effect, the Chelsea Fancast hosts it because we'll put it out on our, on our live uh, internet stream, which is called mixler.com. And uh, and then we do a podcast for an hour or so, and we invite all sorts of other people on that we both know, and uh, some that you don't know, some that I know, and we just have a bit of a giggle after the match and get into the party spirit with a proper proper joint podcast. And then we drink a lot after, uh, probably during, but uh, also after, before, during, after. You know, just you know, the time time will meld together. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> doing it unless we can drink during it. 
Okay, well then that's been decided. That's, that's my rider. It's it's in the contract. <laughs> so yeah, I think we're we're all incredibly excited about this. I mean, it's uh, I think all of us thought that the you know the night out of the pub was our, m- our most favorite part of our trip last time. Uh, just an amazing time to kind of get together and and kind of hear some stories and shoot the shit. And uh, so that is that's primarily what's going to happen. There will be more details released time. Uh, date, location, all that kind of good stuff, and, and maybe an extra on top of that as well. So uh, stay tuned. We will be uh, working with Chidge and, and his gang to get this all set up, Brandon, but hell of an opportunity, huh? Absolutely. Obviously, as we're talking about the trip, um, we want to remind you there are only three days left to register as of recording. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, you're down to one or two days. Uh, but as you can hear, as we've progressed over the last about month since we've announced, uh, we're continuously adding amazing, amazing things, uh, looking at going to the Chelsea ladies match, Dan. But without a doubt, we've gotten a lot of new emails about people wanting to go and we're answering them as fast as we can. Yeah, we definitely had a few, uh, but you can head over to londonbluepodcast.com forward slash London trip. Uh, we don't make it difficult for you to find the information you're looking for and take a peek at the packages. There's the one for this winter, and then we also have the one for March, which does include a match against uh, Tottenham, which would be uh, quite, quite the time. And so please, if you have any questions, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Smoke Signal, Raven, whatever you need to get the message to us. We'll be happy to answer it. Huge thanks, Nick, to our sponsors, XL Tours on that for, I mean, they they put everything together for us from getting picked up at the airport to staying at the hotel attached to Stamford Bridge. Yeah, well, while we may be decent at podcasting and, and drinking with, with some of our friends, uh, event planning, not our top uh, strength. So to have those guys behind us kind of making sure everything's taken care of has been fantastic. Uh and yeah, it makes it makes the trip a hell of a lot more fun when you don't have to worry about all the logistics. So um, there's more time for drinking, less time for logistics. I think that's a, just a win-win. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into the actual match review. Uh, we took on Bournemouth in the Premier League. We traveled down to the southern coast, hung out at Vitality Stadium. And apparently it's the smallest stadium currently in the Premier League, I believe, just over about 11,000 capacity. Uh, Chidge, my question for you is, does it matter the capacity of the stadium for how many away tickets are allocated, or are there always a minimum amount available? Oh, it's awful. It's absolutely, it, you know, I mean, look, the, the, the great irony is, is that Bournemouth away is without doubt, uh, you know, one of one of our favorite away trips during the year. Um, it's a seaside town, uh, you know, not far away from me, actually. It's only about, you know, half an hour to an hour down the road from me when I'm in Hampshire. Uh, and it's down by the sea, and it's a great weekend out. It's fantastic. It's great fun, and we all want to go. And also because it's in the south, it's 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 near to where a lot of Chelsea people live. You know, in that kind of corridor going southwest out of London. So it's a really popular thing to go. But the trouble is, they they have an away allocation at Bournemouth because it's such a shonky stadium. I mean, it's basically a third division stadium. You know how they get away with it in the Premier League? I do not know. Uh, but that means you get an allocation of about thirteen hundred tickets approximately now there are i believe 800 away season away season ticket holders there's also always an allocation for uh, corporates and and players and all of that and that eats into it so that means that there are only a few hundred tickets left for for other season ticket holders and members so you know basically trying to get hold of a bournemouth away ticket is like rocking horse shit 
and it's it's a real shame you know because a lot of people miss out that would, would normally go i mean normally your allocation for most other grounds in the country is about three thousand, and uh, chelsea you know has a has a huge away support and a very loyal hardcore away support and we pretty much always sell out our away allocation wherever we go uh, but with Bournemouth, you're getting le- less than half, well, more than half the people that would normally go are unable to go. So it, it, it really stinks, but there's not a lot you can do about it, I'm afraid. Well, unfortunately, um, you know, I guess that, that is kind of the way it goes. Is we're, you know, a little bit of history on our side was being talked about the stadium. Uh, so I appreciate you kind of filling in the gaps for us. Uh, but as the scoreline goes, Blues won, Cherries nothing. I did love, Dan, the Pac Man reference that at Ronnier Blues put on Twitter before the match. Yeah, where it was the Chelsea Pac-Man eating the uh, the cherries? Uh, mm-hmm. Usually, it's a couple hundred points right there. So that's the always Rainier, a good call. Rainier, uh, Rainier Blues guy is fantastic. If you guys don't follow him on Twitter, that's that's just not even. He's so funny. Um, massive, massive shout out. All right, well, we had uh, a bit of a lineup shift again. More injuries, uh, more player rotation, Dan, but we were back to the three four three or three four two one, depending on how you want to look at it. Are you, are you sure we're not recapping our Carabao Cup match against Bournemouth coming up? I mean, mm. it might be a preview nice. too. Yeah, the uh, clandestine draw. <laughs> anyway, for our lineup in this match, uh, we had Tibor Courtois behind the uh, in between the sticks. We had Azpilicueta, Louise Rudiger coming in uh, after scoring in the uh, the midweek. Zapacasta, Fabregas, Bakayoko, and Alonso uh, right behind. Pedro Hazard and Morata rounding out our lineup, and we saw uh, Daniel Drinkwater make a bench as along with uh, Mr. Ampadu, Batshuayi, William Christensen, Captain Cahill, and then Willie C. From a lineup standpoint, Chidge, uh, I think the biggest change, obviously we know we still don't have a lot of options in the midfield, uh, but was probably Rudiger coming in for Cahill. Cahill's pretty much played every single minute, no matter what the competition is this season. Uh, so apparently a good opportunity to give him some rest. Well, yeah, or, or was it? I mean, you know, look, I know there's an awful lot of issues that a lot of support, well, I'll call them fans, have with Cahill. Uh, he is our captain. He's been there a long time. He's pretty much the last link that we have uh, with Louise now to Munich. Uh, and he's done great for us. Uh, and he's our captain. But I, I think, you know, you'd have to be blind uh, to say that he's not been in, in good form recently. And I don't think he has been in good form recently. So I do wonder whether he was re- rotated, as Conte said, or whether, you know, he was dropped. I, We'll never know is the answer to that, and we can hypothesize until the cows come home. Um, I think the reality is, um, well, there are two realities, aren't there, really? One is that Rudiger's a very good player, and he's a German international, so it's not exactly a, uh, a difficult, uh, you know, it's not difficult for him to come in and, and replace Cahill for that match. I think Louise is, is a very good, uh, I think he's very good in that central role, and Aspie we all know and love, and that's where he should play. Um but on the other hand, uh, we got a clean sheet. And it's the first clean sheet we've had for a long time. But, of course, it was against Bournemouth, who were always going to find it hard to score against us anyway. So I think it would be really hard to try and find the truth in that one as to whether Cahill was rotated because we've got Roma coming up or whether, you know, it, it, he basically picked picked the side on form. But we'll never know, sadly. I saw, I saw a tweet... Um 
when the when the lineup was released that we are we are one Conte away from this being our strongest lineup. Um, so essentially replacing Sesk and and putting Angolo back in. And actually, I think that's right. You know, I think the back line as it was constructed yesterday. Um, you know, I think they played really well. I, you know, Louise was a bit erratic, but uh, overall, you know, I think it was a strong strong lineup and you know you get uh, a guy so valuable like Angolo back into this lineup Brandon and it's starting to uh to maybe look like we're we're back in business hopefully I mean for sure I think that we showed a lot more control and consistency through this match uh but we're actually going to dig into a lot of that here in a second I it would be you know an injustice if I didn't let uh Dan do the goals here in a second but kicking this one off I thought it'd be um, you know, Eden Hazard had some quotes after the match, and I thought it was uh, it was really good to kind of hear this from him. So he said, the only problem is that we should score more goals. We should have got three, maybe four goals to make the game easy, but we didn't concede a lot of chances, and I think we deserve the win. It was a very good goal. Important also, when you play this kind of game, you just need to win. We have three points, and we move on. All the team deserve this, and we did well defensively. Offensively, also, I think Thibaut Courtois needed this for the confidence. And quote, uh, I love hearing his mentality shift. Chid just saying we should have buried this team. He's realistic, saying, look, we just needed the three points. We're in a busy part of the season. Uh, and then he's smart to obviously say the shutout is important, especially for Courtois, who um, probably doesn't remember the last time he got one. Well, I think I think Eden sounds good enough in his analysis to be certainly on the Chelsea fan cast and quite possibly the Londoners League <laughs> podcast too. Because he's nailed it, hasn't he? I mean, he summarised that game brilliantly. Um, and, and he's right. I mean, you know, we, I, I, it's really interesting. I saw a few people on Twitter uh, after the match yesterday saying, oh, well, you know, it was a really poor performance. You know, I don't think it was. I thought we played really, really well. We absolutely dominated the game from start to finish. They had one shot. Bournemouth had one shot on target, and that was in the it was in injury time. If we were guilty of anything, it was it was that we were profligate in front of goal. I think Morata missed um, a chance that I think on another day he would have buried, and I think that uh, Begovic made a very good save from him. We were unlucky with the offside, but we were creating a lot of chances. I thought some of the football that we played was superb, the, particularly between Morata, Pedro, and Hazard. I think they combined brilliantly and I love their movement but I mean I'm going to go back to the whole defense thing again and I'm really I'm really pleased to see that Hazard mentioned that because I think that's Chelsea's problem at the moment I think most of us realize that and we're all scratching our our heads as to know why and okay I think Kante being out is is massive it really really is because it's unstabilized us and it's unbalanced us and it's clearly um you know, made our defence look very, very vulnerable. But I also think there's an element that sides have worked us out a bit and, and they're attacking us down the flanks and they're finding space between the wing-backs and, and the wider central defenders. And I think that's the issue. So even if Kante's playing, I don't think it's necessarily resolved. And you think, well, how can this have changed? Because, you know, our, our defence was so solid last year. I mean, I've just written an article and I, and I went back and looked at that, that winning run that we had and, you know, of the 13 matches that we won on the superb run that we had, uh, we had 10 clean sheets. We conceded four goals in three matches, right? But the others, all the other 10 matches were clean sheets with the same defence that we've got this year. So it, it's got to be it's got to be something more than the personnel, hasn't it? 
And I think it's possibly that teams have worked us out and they've figured out where and how to attack us and where and how to find the space. So I'm really pleased that we got a clean sheet yesterday. I think, you know, in, in many respects, that is that is as important as the as the three points. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we can just go ahead and dive into the, the the back line and the changes and things. You know, a lot of people are saying that Rudiger coming in for Cahill made a huge difference in the back line's composure and also that it freed up Alonzo to be more attacking. But Nick, I can entertain the, the composure idea that it made people more calm because we all know Rudiger is very competent on the ball, um, but not so much with Alonzo. I mean, him and Cahill, like she just said, they played all season last year. We went on that amazing run. Uh, I don't think that's the effect it had, but as far as like the composure of the back line, is that something you think Rudiger brings over Cahill? I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, hypothetically, uh, Cahill should have way more experience in the Premier League and have seen a lot more being older than uh, Rudiger. Um, so, like, composure shouldn't be an issue. I think I think where you saw yesterday that it was a major difference is that Rudiger is just fucking fast. I mean, he is, he is really strong in the air and fast. And you saw a couple of the, you know, what Chidge was talking about, kind of the space between the wingbacks and the centerbacks. You saw a couple of those diagonal runs and Rudiger recognized it immediately and then was fast enough to go back and actually make the play. Um, whereas I think Cahill gets, you know, he's a step or two behind in that regard and, and that, that kind of can lead to some chances created. So I, I don't know. I think composure is a really interesting word to look at there. Um, I think just physical ability right now, um, you know, Cahill may have the gun show going on uh, as far as his biceps go, but Rudiger is clearly, I think, a more athletic option. Dan, we did get a tweet from at 1689Jedi saying, with the way that Rudiger played, do you see Cahill getting backed into starting 11? Obviously, Chid says we will never know, but it, I think it... <laughs> oh, uh, no, I, 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 it, I could be quite definitive on that. You know, Conte's made his mind up. Cahill is his captain. So un- unless something drastic happens, Cahill starts. You know, and drastic is an injury, a suspension, or or such a calamitous dip in form that you know Conte just has to say, well, that's it. And and I don't really see any of those happening. I mean, obviously, the suspensions and, and, and injuries might happen, but you know, Cahill is Conte's man. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there's uh, you know, unless there's another 18th minute red card coming out uh, sometime soon, we will continue to see him. You know, and I imagine that he will start at Roma. And I think that. Anyone expecting different, uh, as much as Rudiger, I think, has impressed and has played extremely, extremely well. Uh, I think not only is it, you know, his forward passing, but his intelligence of when to play the ball out, when to play it back to Courtois, when to know that he can kind of turn around and play it forward. Um, it does make you wonder, though, when when could there potentially be a baton handoff here? Because, you know, Rudiger does deserve to start uh, what about based upon form. And I, I think Christensen is another unsung uh, individual who needs some uh, some more opportunity, especially with Louise, uh, you know, playing bandaged up in every which way possible. You know, he feels like he's uh, stitched together at times, and you know, Christensen would deserve some opportunity as well. I think Chidge. So you, you, I think you quite you quite rightly you quite rightly get that 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 you know Christensen is is the understudy to Louise, and Rudiger is the understudy to Cahill, and actually that that that, that I think that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Um, I mean, look, the issue with Gary Cahill, I mean, you mentioned his pace. I think that is definitely an issue. But it's also, I think, really, if one's being completely honest and, and not 
you know a bit blue blue tinted here you know out of the three or out of the f- well if you take rudiger louise cahill christensen and aspie uh cahill is the worst at bringing the ball out from the back you know he's the he's the least comfortable on the ball so really that i think you know if you're going to take account of that 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 going to, that's going to dictate the way you play and your formation and how conte wants to play i mean for example were we man city could you see cahill, cahill playing in man city's defense now, OK, we can argue to the cows come home about Man City's defence being utter shit, but the reality is Pep Guardiola likes defenders who can play the ball out of the back and are comfortable on the ball, are skillful on the ball. And, you know, for us, Cahill is the least comfortable. So if you want to play defensively in the same kind of way that City does, then does Cahill play? You would probably say no. So maybe Conte's comfortable playing a, a different sort of way, you know. And, and, and let's, let's be honest, like we said earlier on, you know, this was a defence that last year had a lot of clean sheets and, you know, ultimately our defensive solidity was what won us the title. Okay, you need to score goals too, and we did that. But, you know, nothing really should have changed from last year in my book. So I don't think he'll change it. Well, the crazy thing is we have so much depth defensively. And so Conte wants to get these players time so they can be as happy as possible because he can't start all five or even six uh, week in, week out. And so it almost creates, you know, Rudiger's now played on the right. He's played on the left. We know Christensen, for the most part, will always play in the middle. He has played on uh, one of the sides a little bit. Uh, you know, Aspie has played right center back. He's played right wing back. And I think maybe that is what kind of trips it up a little bit in just the sense that it's not solidified. Last yeah. year, we knew exactly who the back five were going to be. No rotation. They knew it, how each other were going to respond. That would almost be my one thing. Is like maybe we have too much depth uh, at the back. But Rudiger and Christensen are young, uh, but they obviously are ambitious and hungry and want to play. So we've got a lot of games, thankfully. We're still in the Carabao Cup um, because the draw actually happened, uh, which I was a little concerned about. <laughs> Uh, and so we'll have opportunities to go. So uh, also, I want to give a huge shout out to Aspie Laqueta. Well, talking about the defensive moment of the match, sliding in to block the close range shot late in the match. Uh, what a scary situation that is. But sure enough, uh, Dave, you know, Nick, just being the superhero that he has been for Chelsea ever since he joined. Yeah, this uh, that was when this match started to feel like last year to me. Um, you know, I think this was a really gutty performance. Um, not necessarily a tough, a really tough match, but, uh, you know, I think it was a gutty performance from the team. And, you know, last year we just had these little moments, you know, in every single match it seemed like where uh, something would happen and, uh, you know, either we have a heroic defensive moment or our attack would go on a blinding counter and, and win us the match. I mean, this was a, a, a really incredible block. And I think... Uh, you know, really seal the points. You know, you could, you could see if you know if that goal goes in. You know, with the substitutions that were made at that point, that you know it'd be really tough for us to go and get another one. So, uh, yeah, all credit to Dave. I think he was tremendous yesterday. Jage, is there anything I guess you want to add from an Aspie Love standpoint? I feel like he he probably stands out in your book as one of those guys that just works so hard tirelessly. Yeah, I, I love him to pieces. He's been he's been brilliant, hasn't he? When you consider how little money we spent on him, um, and I think he was the guy that got rid of Ashley Cole, wasn't he? At the end of the day, so he's he, you know he's been faced with many challenges since he started playing with Chelsea, and and yet he's always risen to the challenge. 
He's he's. I think the best thing about Aspie is his understatedness and his you know his consistency. Uh, and I think actually it's really interesting. I can't remember who it was. It might be new actually that was saying that you know one of the issues that we have is perhaps we haven't played with the same defence very much this season. And actually that's a really good point. Um, you know if you're gonna get a you know a level of consistency in in defensive performances, you need to play with the same kind of back well what would be Courtois plus the back three stroke five being the wing backs but certainly that back three Uh, and you're right I think we were very consistent with that last year and they get into a rhythm and they play as a unit and I think you know we've seen Aspie being played at wing back and I I, I, you know my I don't think he's a wing back I really don't Uh, I think that you know his his place is either in, in as a left back or a right back in the back four or where he plays in the back three but he's fantastic and I know I know a lot of people it's interesting actually there were you know, largely down to the hate that Cahill gets, which I, I have no truck with whatsoever. But uh, Aspie was captain yesterday, uh, and all you know, it's interesting because you don't see him as a as a natural leader at all, do you? But uh, it's interesting that Conte's passing the armband when Cahill's not playing, and I think that also speaks volumes. I think he's a lead by example guy, Brandon. I think he's just he's in the right spots all the time, and he just leads by example. Yeah, spot on. He's a nice bloke as well. Yeah, no. He's a really nice bloke. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. We uh, we got to talk he to is. him. We, we met him. Yeah, when they came yeah. to Minneapolis for the, the summer tour a season and a half ago, uh, Dave spoke in front of us, and he was absolutely like charismatic after probably running through three sessions earlier that day and had a game the next day. So, um, yeah, we love Dave. Um Another one that's kind of interesting. So shout out to David over at We Ain't Got No History for pointing us out. But it was Hazard's first Premier League goal of this season, which is crazy to think that it's almost November uh, for this to happen. But obviously, Dan, he was injured. Uh, But man, he looked up for it yesterday, ready to go. Yeah, you know, and in moments in the past when we've required a little bit of spark or someone to carry the the club in moments of crisis or when there's been a little bit of a challenge or rust needs to be knocked off, uh, you know, we've looked to Eden to do that, and you know, it was a big game Eden Hazard yesterday with uh, the with the moves, with the turns, with the take ons, uh, and this goal in particular, the uh, you know. Miss miss cue by uh, Francis and his foot allowing the ball that Murata you know so so wonderfully kind of just held up and and floated over to him, giving him that opportunity to slot past Begovic was uh, you know just exceptional. So I mean, I know we were kind of talking as the match was going on, but you know it's uh, it's very nice to see this Eden Hazard returning and uh, you know Chidge. It's just a it's a different team when he is on his A game. Well. It is, isn't it? And, and I mean, he was he was superb yesterday. There's no doubt about that. He pulled all the strings um, and looked fantastic. I thought his goal was 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 really well taken. Although you can argue that Bogbegovic shouldn't really be beaten at his uh, near side post, but I thought uh, Hazard's anticipation was great. I mean, Hazard is a bit of a, a you know he's a bit of an enigma to me. He's got so so much talent, and he could, without doubt, be you know one of he could be up there with the Messi's and the Ronaldo's of this world. I have no doubt about that. But I would say that there is something missing with him, and it, uh, there's a, there's a he just doesn't have the ruthlessness, the selfishness, and the killer instinct. I think that those players have. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but the number of times you watch Chelsea play and you watch Eden, and he gets the ball, you know, with about thirty, thirty, forty yards out. And he beats a couple of players and he goes on a run and you think, my God, this is fantastic. And then he gets to the edge of the area and he passes it. I mean, there's a classic yesterday. He did all the hard work, passed it to Morata 
Uh, and it was either the shot that was saved or the one that he missed. I can't remember. And There's you just a saved think, one. Yeah. yeah. And you just, well, okay, that was a good save. And, I mean, you know, I don't think Morata was at fault for that, to be fair. But the number of times I see Hazard pick up the ball, and I just think, go all the way. Go all the way, son. He can do that. He's got the ability to do that. But he he's very unselfish, and he will play people in. And I, I just wonder if he just lacks that selfishness to really be amongst the greats. But that aside, he is without doubt our best player. He's probably arguably only our... Uh, uh, genuinely only our, you know, our only world-class player. And the reality is, if we're going to do anything this season, if we're going to go on a winning run from here, like we did last year, it needs to come from Hazard. He needs to pick games up by the scruff of the neck and dominate them and win them, like he did yesterday. But he needs to do it against teams like Man United next weekend, like Roma on Wednesday. And he needs to step up to the plate on the big occasion. And I've seen him not do that for us since he's been here. And I'm, and I'm not trying to criticise Hazard because I love him. But that's what we need and expect from him because he is our best player. And, and, and frankly, if you compare us to a few years ago, we had a lot of players who could do that, didn't we? We had the Frank Lampards of this world and the Didier Drogba's and they would always step up. I think really in this side, it's only Hazard who can do that. So, the, you know, he, we, we really expect and need a lot from him. Well, I mean, we have seen him do it in flashes. You know, I'm thinking of United, uh, the curling shot from the top of the box. Uh, we've seen him do it at Tottenham, spoiling their title race a couple years ago, even when we were down and out. Um, you know, this season, you know, we have seen it, scored against Roma. And so, obviously, it's a consistency thing as well. Um with Morata, obviously he didn't look 100% fit throughout this match, even though he played 79 minutes. Conte even saying after the match that he's recovering from a muscular problem, which is a little concerning that he's playing so many minutes going into Roma with that. Um, but part of the problem is just Begovic. Again, we have this goalkeeper syndrome that, that when goalkeepers show up to play against Chelsea they just step up two three levels and I mean that's the best we never saw Begovic at that level uh that isn't something no. that we Nick were able to uh to hold our hat on even though he had some decent performances um but nothing to that level unfortunately no I I, I think Bego was great yesterday um you know that game's probably for nothing if not for him uh and and Murata missing a, a sitter unfortunately which he will you could tell it the the moment he missed that uh that shot that should have you know he should have just passed it in the back of the net that he just probably wasn't going to be his day um unfortunately so i don't know dan uh, thoughts on bego and his incredible performance i mean there was a reason we we signed him as a backup you know i mean he deserves to you know start in the premier league clearly and you know i think if anyone has had a chance to practice blocking shots against uh you know chelsea strikers uh you know he had uh, a couple seasons worth of opportunity to do it on the training ground almost every day so yeah, you know, I would expect him to be up for that game, much like uh, you know Nathan Ake getting an opportunity to to be the ghost of of Chelsea's past uh, come to life on the uh, the football field. So, I, I mean, des- deservedly you know credited as their match man of the match too. Uh, without his performance, you know, they could have been down uh, three or four goals. But I think that you know speaks to the clinicality and to the Murata piece. You know, I actually think that you know Hazard's goal doesn't happen if he can't hold up the ball long enough to kind of drawn a defender and you know, didn't necessarily get him his name on the score sheet and was very unlucky to do so. But I actually think put in a really good performance, especially as he's been working his way back to full fitness. 
Well, I think that's something we can all get behind for sure. Uh, But boys, coming from a goalkeeper, finally a clean sheet. This is something that, I mean, we even talked about in our text group that you're just waiting for that goal to come, right? We obviously had a Watford right before halftime, right after halftime. We just seemed like we're we're sure as good to give up one goal and it was going to be against the run of play or it's going to be off a mistake, but it didn't. And I kind of want to come back, Chidge, to your point, talking about Chelsea had almost 60% possession. We looked composed. We looked like when we were going forward, we knew what we were doing. And I have felt like a lot of times this season, we don't really know how we want to attack other teams. Uh, and so I guess I just want to kind of open that up to you as specifically to the point where we pressed Bournemouth. We took it to them. And a lot of times this season, we haven't done that. So again, Chelsea controlled this match. Uh, you know, what did you make of that? Well, I mean, well, I agree, but basically, but I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that the possession stats really, uh, you know, tell the whole story of a match. But uh, clearly, we kept possession of the ball, I think, a lot better uh, than we have done recently. Um I think Bournemouth did press us, but perhaps not as much as other teams. I mean, there's been a real pattern this year, hasn't there, that when, when teams really, really get at us and press us, we we, we seem to crumble a little bit. Um, and I think it helped that Bournemouth perhaps didn't do that as much as everybody else. Um, but we kept the ball well, apart from Bakayoko and Fabregas booting it into touch occasionally, which was a bit annoying. Um, but I think, that, that, look, the reality is this, is that I thought, I thought our movement, I said this earlier on, but I thought the movement from the front three was very, very good yesterday. Uh, and and that I love. I'm really beginning to fall in love with Pedro. I mean, I gave poor old Pedro a right kicking the first season he was with us because I just thought he's a bit lightweight and he gets knocked over too much. But his energy around the pitch and his movement and his skill on the ball, and I, I love the way that he's linking up with Hazard and Morata. Uh, and you, you said a minute ago, you know, we we have found it hard to break teams down occasionally, and I think, you know, when you've got those three playing as they are, and, and I agree with you as well that Morata, I thought. You know, okay, he didn't get on the score sheet, which is what he's paid to do. But I thought overall his game was good, and he he links up play well. He holds the ball up pretty well too. Um, you know, there were worries that he might get knocked over easily, but he seems to be coming to terms with that. So, so yeah, I mean, all good. I, mean, I thought it was a really, I thought it was a very, very positive, very dominant display. I mean, it's it's interesting what you say. You know, the number of times we watch Chelsea, we think shit, 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 shit. A goal's coming, a goal's coming. But I, I, I really didn't feel like that. Uh, yesterday I thought we were absolutely in control of the game my only disappointment was that we didn't score more and of course the minute you don't score more than one goal the other side is always in it you know it just takes something stupid to happen like a mistake or a penalty and then boom you're, you're level again and I think final point on this I think one of the problems that we've had this season is we've gone behind you know early to or, or not even early really but we've gone behind through stupid mistakes in defense or whatever and we seem to find it quite hard to come back and and then go and win the game and I I think when Chelsea's facing a in a situation because of defensive lapses or vulnerability where we always have to score one more than the other team that can be a bit a bit shaky for us so you know it was really good to see both the clean sheet and I thought the way that we played and the way that we did control the game yeah I would quickly add to that I think that um as, as you look at you know, our, the amount of comfortable, quote unquote, comfortable performances we've had this year, there haven't been many. And, you know, Stoke away is is the one that comes to mind. But in Ohio. But Everton, yeah. yeah, yeah they were call. really shit, Nick. They were awful. Yeah. They were one of the poorest sides I've seen play. 
at Stamford Bridge in years. Yeah, and and you know they, they were losing today to Leicester, so yeah. you know they're they're in pretty bad uh, pretty bad straits. But you know I think this was a completely comfortable performance for Chelsea. I mean they they did have their way. Bournemouth just I, I think are going to really struggle. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have a bunch of uh, talent or depth to to compete against teams like Chelsea. Um, but it was good to see that you know there there did start to be a little bit of attacking fluidity. Um, Dan, that I think the team is, you know, hopefully starting to figure that out again. Yeah, it was nice to uh, watch them kind of connect together. I, I think the only one that was a little suspect in the day was Fabregas and a few of his attempts at passes just connected first with a Bournemouth player and not with a Chelsea player, which was a little uh, disconcerting because, you know, he he's on the pitch to distribute and to make, you know, kind of a good... Uh, good show of that, and it was a little bit of a, a letdown in that regard, and uh, makes you happy that uh, Drinkwater is now healthy. Makes you happy that uh, N'Golo Conte is almost back to full fitness, so uh, that you know Conte will have uh, plenty of options to choose from to diversify his midfield selection for the matches. Well, like you said, uh, consistency helps the team perform, and and I thought it looked pretty good. But with that being said, I guess are there any other kind of additional thoughts from this match, uh, Nick? We haven't even talked about Pawson for you yet. <laughs> yeah, so Craig Pawson was was the referee of this match, and uh, you know I think that really, um, I think that really gives uh, you know a little bit of fear, you know, considering what uh, what happens with. Uh, you know what happened with the Burnley match earlier, so uh, I think he he played he, he played an okay role in this match. Um, not nearly as bad as the first match of the year, but yeah, I think the only other point I would make would be that Bakayoko um, to me still hasn't you know, and, and I think he deserves time, believe me, but still hasn't quite put it all together yet. You know, I think that there are times where he takes the ball away from someone and starts driving it upfield and the rest of the team kind of rallies around that and you can see a lot of great movement and then you see a lot of lazy lazy touches not tracking back uh and so i i would hope um that he would um get get that part of his game figured out because i feel like if he does he's going to be unstoppable uh chidge any other thoughts and what have you made of just refereeing as a whole this season i feel like they've taken a significant step back but that's just us watching on tv from afar blimey that's a good one isn't it i mean just on bakayoko first i i I think he's a very good player and i think he's still trying to get used to the premier league he may well be you know still getting up to full match fitness as far as we're aware if you remember, he, he kind of came into the season with an injury. So I, I wouldn't be too hard on him. And also, you need to remember, he's got Fabregas next to him. You know, and whenever, <laughs> and whenever you play, if you're the defensive midfielder and you play with Fabregas next to you, then, you know, he's going to go AWOL or he's going to miss a tackle or whatever, you know. So it makes your job much harder. Um, Kante uh, is the only player I've seen who's been able to kind of cover for Fabregas effectively and that's because he has so I mean we all joke that you know it's the Kante twins so he's almost like having two players on the pitch so I I wouldn't beat Bakayoko up too much for uh, his inability to cover for Fabregas going AWOL I mean personally I would much rather see Fabregas higher up the pitch Um, he's not a defensive midfield player he can't run he can't tackle but what he can do is he can put killer passes in Um, I mean that goal uh, against Everton um, 
you know, earlier in the week with William. You know, that that's what Fabregas does best. I would much rather see him playing further up the pitch, but I, I, I find I don't know how Conte is going to, you know, accommodate that. But it does worry me when I see him playing in defensive midfield because I just don't, I really don't think that's his role. Uh, referees, mate, they've always been shit. You know, they really have. And, <laughs> and it's just that some are more shit than others. You know, but I, I'm, what, I, what I do, what I do take issue with, I really don't think, in all honesty, that they are biased towards Chelsea. A lot of people say that, although I, I, I really do struggle to understand why at Stamford Bridge, particularly, we we, sent, we tend to get so many decisions that don't go our way that you would see go, uh, say, Man United's way at Old Trafford or Liverpool at Anfield. You know, we 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 never seem to get Homer refs at Stamford Bridge, which amazes me because it, you, you quite often do at the other big clubs. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, ultimately it evens out. You know, it, it's really hard. You know, because we all want to hate them. They're the, 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 the classic scapegoat for us. But uh, you know, so you, you win some, you lose some, really. And I think yesterday Pawson was okay. There was one tackle on Hazard which I think deserved a yellow card, which he didn't give which I jumped. I was actually watching the match at home on TV because I couldn't get a ticket. So I was watching it with my, with my wife, which is unusual. And uh, that was the one moment where I kind of jumped up and remembered that she was in the room and perhaps my language shouldn't be quite as bad as it was. <laughs> um, but the offside, I, I mean, the offside was marginal. But, you know, I think ultimately it was offside. So, you know, I, I don't have any complaints about him yesterday, but uh, I'm sure that we'll get him again later on in the season and I'll be ranting and raving about how bloody awful he's been. Well, I bet you can put your money on that for sure. Uh, Dan, uh, how about that man of the match poll as we wrap this one up? Yeah, the uh, the famous or infamous man of the match poll. Post-match, we had Hazard, Luis, Rudiger, and Azpilicueta. And with 73% of the votes, Hazard came out on top with Rudiger just shortly behind at 15, Azpilicueta at 11, and a... Strong 1% for David Luiz. How can that be so, strong if you only got 1%? Uh, it's it's yeah. a strong one. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> Tell us. Tell us, Dan, how, how could it be strong? Uh, it's a little bit of uh, irony kind of thrown in there, but uh, if we want to <laughs> pick it apart. Oh, yeah. We love it. It, it. It's so subtle. Sometimes you miss it. It's usually more sarcasm <laughs> than irony, but, you know, we throw it in there every now and then. Uh, shout out to at Shoopy3. I thought this tweet in response to our poll was spot on. It says Hazard will get the man of the match, but without Rudiger and Dave, we drop points today. They yeah. played excellent in the back, and so I just want to give a shout out for that because uh, I think that was absolutely spot on. Um, yeah, so with that being said, Chelsea are currently uh, staying in fourth on 19 points. Uh, City winning again, staying on top at 28 points. United beating Tottenham. So now they're on 23 points. Spurs in third on 20. Uh, Arsenal at 19. So we're still level on points with Arsenal, uh, but our goal difference of eight beats them out for six. Liverpool making a comeback, though, all the way up to sixth place. Uh, unfamiliar conditions for them. Uh, but as it kind of stands, that's where we are. Huge match against Manchester United next week before the FIFA international break. Dan, as you said, we win that match. That puts us within one point of them, uh, which would be a huge result. Yeah, and I think everybody was going crazy after the first couple matches of the season. And, you know, of course, it was a little bit of rough and tumble to start. But, 
uh, I think there's, you know, City is currently the runaway train right now and, you know, is scoring goals for fun at 35 total for the season. Um, you know, but we're, we're right within the thick of it. And, you know, Tottenham will capitulate the way that they do in big matches, as we saw this past weekend in the 81st minute. And, you know, there's, it's a, it's, there's th- plenty of teams that can still make a, a, a real challenge for this thing. And I, I think we are absolutely one of them. All right. Well, let's go ahead and kind of keep this conversation moving. Obviously, um, you know, before we head into social questions, Nick, we did want to kind of talk about uh, a few of the really unique experiences you get with us going to London. I know we talked a lot about it, but that's just because it was easily one of the best moments of all of our lives getting to go last year to the Middlesbrough match. Right. Yeah. And, and again, we don't need to belabor the point here, but I think... Uh, you know, the the sign-up date, we need to clarify that again, uh, is the 1st of November. So if you have any questions or thoughts, like, you know, as long as you're in, in communication with us, we can figure out, you know, how to get you signed up in time. Uh, no worries there. But, you know, obviously, you know, we'd love to be your tour guide. You know, I think, you know, after going in May, we kind of have a better, better sense of where we're going. Um, and if not, we'll just find the nearest pub and drink there. So... Um, I think, you know, the ability to go to a couple of matches taken in the, in the pre-match atmosphere is going to be great. Um, Chidge, are you going to the uh, Atletico Madrid home match? Home match? Um, yeah, if I remember to get my bloody ticket. which uh, So I do think, that. Yeah, I know. I got an email this week. I've been so... I, I had... I mean, this is very, very uh, not cool and uh, not... not uh, kind of football podcast material, but I had to look after my 8-year-old niece and 11-year-old nephew from Wednesday last week. So uh, I've, I've just my whole life just disappeared. Like, it reminded me why I don't have kids. It was just too much like hard work. <laughs> but I was kind of vaguely aware that I did get an email saying, "Oi, buy your bloody ticket." So I, I think I have I have to buy it by tomorrow. But the short answer is yes, I'll be there. Wonderful. So we'll go to the we'll go to the Cock Tavern pre match, have some beers, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that should work. I mean, because uh, it's on a Tuesday, isn't it? So uh, yep, I, I, I finish work at three on a Tuesday, so. Uh, I have to come up from Hampshire, so I'll probably get up there for about five. Um, whether I'll be on the piss or not is a moot point, because I'll probably have to drive back. But uh, I can cut, you can waft a Guinness in front of my nose, but I'll still see you in the cock. <laughs> All right, yeah, so lots of that kind of stuff. And obviously, we're working on some pretty special um, content opportunities and, and fun events outside of the two matches. So, Dan, any thoughts to add on the trip? No, just the deadline is coming up. But again, we're always available. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, email. Hit us up and we'd be happy to answer any other questions you have about specifics. And hopefully you can join us on this trip. And if not, uh, we can see you in uh, March for our next trip to see uh, Speed Spurs. All right, well, let's continue on the topic of questions, this time coming from social media at uh, Muggle asking us on Twitter, what are your thoughts on Alonzo this season? I think the left wingback position dictates Hazard's options in space on the, le- ins- on the inside left. Um, obviously, Alonzo has no one competing for his position this season. Uh, at best, we move Dave over to the left wingback. And I think that is something that, you know, obviously we pushed for Sandra from Juventus really, really hard this summer um, to give us some more depth across those wingback positions. Didn't get anything. How about this, though, Dan? Uh, Alex Shaw, absolutely hated by Mourinho at United. I'm sure he could be out for the cheap in January. Uh, don't you mean Luke Shaw? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Luke How about Shaw. That? You know, so go with he's, him. 
He's so bad that you forgot his name. I know, right? It's it was Alexandro and Luke Shaw. I apologize for combining. He's no Brazilian. <laughs> that uh, that's that's true. He is uh, an English national player and has been uh, injury riddled throughout uh, his Manchester United career and. Um, yeah, it seemed to be decently favored by uh, Van Hall, but uh, has not earned the nod from Mourinho. So, I mean, he would be an option if available on a, a, a cheap. But, uh, I mean, look, you know, Sandro hasn't signed his new contract yet with Juventus. So I think he continue to try to uh, grasp him away from the, the talons grip of the, uh, the Italian club. We also have Baba. So <laughs> it's true. We have to see what he can come up with. Yeah, well, Hank Kennedy that. got a chance to go play uh, left wing back and did uh, decently. I, I think the point here is that Alonzo has not been great this year. Uh, yeah, I think oh, he's, I, I he's really struggling. I don't know about that, Nick. I don't know about that. Really? Why, why do you not think he's been great? I, I mean, I think the level in which he was able to play last year because we didn't have the extra Champions League was a lot higher. Yeah. And I think his inter- his interchange with Hazard this year has not been, at least in the in the limited amount of time they've both been on the pitch together, has not seemed as fluid. Now, maybe that comes with more games and just kind of getting familiar with each other again. But I think that, you know, when we really talked about Hazard last year, uh, being able to be freed up on that wing, it was because Alonzo was always, uh, you know, going one-twos with him, always overlapping to take defenders away. Because, you know, you even saw yesterday, Chage, like the the three men around Hazard thing still happens. So clearly that threat from Alonzo isn't there if he's still getting triple teamed at points. So, um, yeah, I think that that would just be my criticism. And, yeah, he needs someone to push him, someone legitimate. You know, well, I don't well, think I, Kennedy's yeah, that guy. Yeah, I, I'd, agree with, I'd agree with that. I don't think – well, I don't think that's really Kennedy's position either. I think it's just being expedient to put him there. But I think Alonzo, I think maybe you're right. Maybe his energy levels aren't as good because he's, he's not used to playing two matches a week. Um, you would have thought as a professional footballer he would be fit enough to do that. I think it possibly has more to do... I mean, you know, everybody goes through bad runs of form. Maybe he's having a little bit of a bad run in form. But I also think that, you know... And I think football supporters, you know, forget this. Uh, and we're all guilty of it. We are all guilty of it. We all look at our team play and, and just look at it like they're, they're not playing anybody at all. You know, but, you know, the opposition team can stop you from playing. The opposition team can play well. Maybe, maybe uh, other teams, and this goes back to what I was saying about us being worked out a bit. Maybe they've looked at the way we played last year. Maybe they figured out that actually the secret to our success was going with a back three and two wing backs. And that Alonso and Moses were crucial to that. And maybe they've done something about it. And he's he's having to figure that out. So maybe that's why we're seeing him not as effective as he was last year. But I certainly think in spells, I've I've certainly seen him as good as he was last year. I thought he played really well yesterday, for example. So I'd I'd keep a little bit of faith in him yet. I personally think he's done pretty well. I understand that he's had some ups and downs with fatigue and in different styles, but I also don't think Chelsea have been playing as attacking or pressing as we did last season because of the fixture congestion. But let's... uh, Let's go ahead and see what happens with that. I mean, him and Hazard need to reconnect on this season and, and work that out as well because I think that our attackers are playing a little bit more inside than they did last season. So, um, I don't know. Yet yet to kind of put my judgment on that one. Um, I think, I think um, the, you know what? One one thing that we all forget, you know, I mean, we, we do this on the, on the Chelsea fan cast. It's, it's so easy to forget stuff. Who Who is missing this year that we didn't have last year that was absolutely fundamental to the way we played? 
Diego. Bingo. Absolutely. You know, when you've got when you've got a Diego Costa playing up front for you, I mean he was an absolute battering ram and he would keep the ball. He would give players like uh, Alonso, Moses and and the Hazards and the Pedros time to to get into position and get there with him. And he would take two defenders out of the game because he was such a beast. So if you lose him, you know, you are going to lose a lot and it's going to affect everybody else that's playing in that team. Well, and speaking of that, we had a question from Mr. Underscore Dingle saying, was Morata's goal spelled, you know, his spree, essentially just luck, where he had um, six goals right off the bat. Uh, two games now, and he has looked poor, not holding the ball up well, not creating space, and going to ground way too easily. Bullshit. Uh, I mean, I guess... The- well, I just want to point out he's not fit. <laughs> he's not healthy. Like we know that. That Conte was a great use of your uh, of your bullshit. Yeah, it's there, like the Joker. Chish. That was perfect. It's like the Joker. I pulled out my Joker for that one. But it's true, right? I mean, like when Murata's healthy, uh, he is fantastic. But he's now had a couple injuries picked up early in the season, and he hasn't been where we thought he would be. No, I mean, look this. He, I, I actually like all of the things that he says here. He's not holding the ball up well. He's not creating a ton of space, and he's going to ground really easily. Those are objective facts. Like you're looking at him, and he's clearly not right. It doesn't mean that his goal spell was luck. I mean, to score six goals in the Premier League, you know, if you gave me a thousand chances, I wouldn't score one goal in the Premier League. You know, and he, and he got six and made it look really easy, uh, even so. I, look, he's going to come back. I think that he got rushed back from injury because we don't really have another option. You know, Mishi's clearly not that guy to, to start the match. So uh, I think he's being rushed back and is trying to gain fitness while also not re-injuring himself. And, and that's just kind of the facts of life right now. That's why Hazard has to step up. I've got to say, I take issue with that. I, I, I think that he had a very poor game against Watford. But I think he was targeted, and I think, okay, there is, to a certain degree, he needs to learn that, you know, you don't get given any quarter by the referee in this country, that, you you know, that defenders are going to get away with a lot more than they did in Spain. Um, but, I mean, if you go back to the Bournemouth game yesterday, you know, he he missed a good chance, which I think more often than not he would score. He had another very good chance, which the keeper made a good save, but he he, he created Hazard's goal. I thought that uh, he he moved around. His movement was superb, as I said earlier, with Hazard and Pedro. I thought he did keep the ball really, really well. So I, I, I completely disagree with that. You know, the only thing I take issue with, you know, or I agree, I agree with what the guy, I can't remember the guy's name now, but whatever he said about uh, what the Watford game, I agree, he was poor there. But he is carrying an injury still, I think. You know, um, look have patience you know these guys i bet you know if you have if, to the guy who wrote in i'm you know i bet you've never been a hundred percent and brilliant at whatever you do for a living every minute of the day we all have off days we all have bad days we don't sometimes perform to the to our level footballers are no different be patient this guy is a good player and he will score 20 goals for us this season you watch i love it i'm looking forward to it uh talking about Amen. the, the def- if not i'll buy you a guinness all right perfect <laughs> I, I don't want that one, personally. I'm just saying. <laughs> At Chelsea underscore mate, uh, pointing out the fact that our defense isn't as as strong as it was last season, conceding 10 and 10. Uh, but I think we pretty much talked through that pretty comprehensively. I just wanted to, you know, say thank you for the question. You know, rewind. We covered that. Um Interesting one from Derek underscore KJ underscore on Instagram saying, of the 14 players who played today, who... Are, 
which of those three are most important to stay healthy? Uh, Dan, kick it with you. Uh, who would you say the three, if you'd have them at 100% health the rest of the season, who are those players? Um, I, I would probably be Murata, Hazard, and um, Azpilicueta. It'd probably be the three that I would go with. There's, uh, you know, the the reliability of Azpilicueta and the defense. Um and then the the goal scoring pieces up front, and uh, you know Conte is the asterisk in here, right? Because the moment he's yeah. back in, he's the he's the first person on yep. everyone's sheet. I think. <laughs> yep, I agree with that. I was, I think he he was smart by saying of the fourteen who played today. I think Bakayoko is a shout in there too, you know, because we've seen flashes where he can be just a tank, you know, Essien like, and you would really hate to see him go through some of the same injury stuff that Essien went through. So. Uh, he might make my list. Chidge, what about you? Well, I think you know. Ultimately, it, it, it's it's about who who is replaceable or who is un you know irreplaceable. And uh, I think obviously Hazard, Hazard is irreplaceable. There is nobody in that squad who can do for us what Hazard can do. Um, you could also argue absolutely the same for Aspilicueta. There's no cover for him really. Uh, and also, we we talked about it a minute ago. There is no cover for Alonso, uh, you mm, know, and that is a problem. That is a problem. So I would definitely say those three. And I think it goes without saying that on his day, you know, Morata is a superb striker, and we all think that Batshuayi is not quite, you know, able to replace him. So I would, I would, I would obviously err on the side of caution and say Morata as well. So I would say there are four players that we can really do, you know, not do without uh, over and above. Kante, who clearly uh, is, 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 is the best midfielder that we've got in his position. But we have got cover there, as we have proved, actually, over the last few weeks, I think. Yeah, thankfully, Danny Drinkwater coming back into the fold has helped a ton, and he'll continue to get his fitness back. I was thinking Alonzo as well, because there's literally no one else, you know, asterisk Kennedy, uh, Hazard, because he is is the game changer that we have in our team. Um, and then I would say Conte as well, because we've seen the team kind of fluctuate their performances without him. Um, Murata is really important, but technically you do have Batshuayi. We have seen him goals, even though he's streaky. And our back line, we've got two of all of them. So we have cover, even if it's not the best. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate that. Um, one from Quickshot CFC. We got back-to-back friends that went on the trip with us from London last year. This is amazing. Um, so Eric says, a couple things. Zappacosta looks like the most one-footed player to walk the earth, and our wingbacks <laughs> are not playing well, which means our offense is suffering. Um, I guess I miss that. Is Zappacosta always putting it on his right foot? Is that happening? I don't know about that. I, you know, there, there was a there was a rumor that he could play right or or left wing back. Um, you know, and obviously he hasn't been trusted on the left. But I think he's also struggling to acclimate at times too. You know, we've seen him play well. You know, against League Cup sides or or even you know, I think he played pretty well against Roma in the in the Champions League. But he, I think he's finding the Premier League a, a bit tougher um, to adapt to, and and maybe that's why he he's just trusting his right foot a little bit more but uh, I, I think to play football at this level you have to be two-footed well at least to a certain degree we haven't seen him on the left yet um but i guess dan to you do you think our wingbacks um are that directly kind of impactful on our offense as it you know stands going forward 
Uh, they're going to have to be. I think that, you know, you, you saw what happens when Alonzo and Hazard can link up well on the flank. And you know, I think you could see potentially what, you know, Pedro and Zapacosta can do on the right. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Zapacosta will be too keen to switch at any point to the left, uh, especially during a match, because I, I only think you could put up with. You know, Antonio Conte yelling your name uh, for 45 minutes over and over and over again um, for, for one half of the match. So, um, but yeah, I think Zapacosta is, you know, going to need some more time to acclimatize. And, you know, hopefully with that, you know, with Victor out, uh, we'll get an opportunity to see him contribute uh, some goals in the, the Premier League or at least uh, some, what's the word, Nick? Is it a chass? Is this the correct mm, word? Yes, chass. Yeah. The shot that is a pass. <laughs> yep. Bit like a shot. <laughs> <laughs> or my favourite, the cross cum shot. Ah, uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got the we got the, the hat trick with that one, haven't we? Yeah. I think. Listen, on Zapacosta, I, I, I think you know, uh, is he struggling to climb acclimate to the Premier League? Probably. But I think it, you know, it's it's not easy when you're in and out of the side, you know. And I think if if he is trying to acclimatise, then he needs a run of games. Which, given that uh, Moses is the first choice, he, he won't get as soon as Moses is fit. But I, I think it would be it would be easier to judge him when we've seen him get a run of games and see him have a chance to improve and get used to the Premier League. All right. Well, I think the last thing we just want to touch on, especially with you, Chidge, here, is that the England U-17s did just win the World Cup. And while we are not English, uh, there were, or I guess are, five Chelsea Youth Academy players in that team, starting with Mark Gay, who's a center back slash right back, uh, Jonathan Ponzo, who's a left back slash center back, Connor Gallagher, who's a winger or maybe a, a bit of a more wide midfielder. Uh, George McEachern, a younger brother of Josh, who pretty much can play anywhere across the front three and even a lone striker. And then Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's only 16 playing in this team, and he is an attacking midfielder. People have even likened him to Hazard, Dan, which is scary to think. Yeah, wasn't it uh, Tweeds who mentioned uh, on an Instagram story that uh, he had the Essien stamp of approval? Yes. Yes, that, that is true. So, good enough for Joe, good enough for you, Chidge. Well, do you know what? I'm 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 embarrassed to say I don't know. Well, obviously I know who George McEachern is because he's, he's Josh's younger brother, but I don't really know who any of those were. I'm absolutely delighted that, that, that we've got under-17s who won the World Cup, although I, I do think it's a bit unfair that we managed to feel feel uh, the entire caltech university in a team of 11 how does that work <laughs> there we go i've managed an american joke for you i hope you're pleased. there it is oh, that was it. wonderful i thought that was good I, that almost deserved a badum tush didn't it but no i mean it's really it's really lovely i mean also for jody morris because of course he tweeted that out and he does a great job uh, with chelsea's youngsters of course they they win the, their league nearly every year Jody's a brilliant, brilliant guy. I still love him as a as a Chelsea player, big mate of uh, Lamps and uh, John Terry, of course. Um, but no, it's fantastic. My only, my only, being the only English person on the podcast tonight, uh, my only res- reservation is: well, how many of them are actually going to a? How many are going to make make it in their respective teams? Particularly our five Chelsea lads. How many of them are going to make it at Chelsea? That's the issue. And more to the point. You know, in other countries uh, like Germany and Spain, whose youth teams used to regularly win the European Championships and the World Cups, they all kind of moved up 
the age group together. And, I mean, that German team that beat the shit out of England in the World Cup in South Africa, they had won the Junior World Cup. But they all move up together and play for their country. How many of these guys are going to play for England? You know, it's, it, it beggars... It, well, it's a very good question. I, my, my, my fear is that not many would be the answer to that. And that all of these... I mean, we've won the Under-21 World Cup. We were in the... I think the Under-19 one. We've we pretty much either won them all or been in the final of one of them. I can't remember now. But we've done very, very well at youth level this year. But will it transfer to the uh, the senior side? I very much doubt it, sadly. Well, time will tell, obviously. I think that while that is always the, the multi-million dollar question for Chelsea, it is good to know that we do have some of the best in the country to at least choose from and obviously have their, their odds increased. We have seen players like Chalaba, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, you know, Olaena leave this summer, whether it's on loan or permanent basis, to go get more game time because they're finding out how more valuable it actually is. Um, but nonetheless, like super happy for these guys. I believe they're all on Instagram, uh, some on Twitter. So go give them a follow uh, and give them your congrats from the Chelsea faithful. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, move on to a shout to World Soccer Shop before we preview the Roma match here as we wrap up this podcast. So Nick, as we have just unabashedly said over and over we are going to london and we pretty much do what we say we are going on to world soccer shop to place orders to get our chelsea gear to stand out like true american fans and piss off cheers while we're in london that's that's what we do bring it on Um, guys bring it on yeah So we, we're actually working with uh, World Soccer Shop on a couple of initiatives right now that we will keep under wraps until they are ready. But yeah, uh, we're we're actually getting our, our merch order uh, in to go to uh, go to the bridge, and you should too. Go to WorldSoccerShop.com, click on the old Chelsea page, and uh, go purchase some items. Uh, if you do so, um, send us a, a picture of what you got, and we will retweet. The uh-huh. end. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap up this podcast with the match preview as we always do. Uh, another quick turnaround this week as we take on AS Roma, this time in Rome, uh, continuing on our Champions League run. Uh, we'll be at the Stadio Olimpico there, and it'll be this coming Tuesday, Octo- October 31st, Halloween night for us, obviously, over here. Um, Roma and Chelsea in their last five matches have all won three drawn one lost one uh the big difference i see here dan is that roma are literally one nothing wins all the way through chelsea's a little more roller coaster but i just feel a little bit more confident knowing that we're scoring more goals uh but roma are not conceding at all yeah, you know, it, it would have been nicer to go into this having um, one versus them at home, but uh, that was not the way that it was written, and we'll have to go in and, I mean, look, you know, the, the, the group is there for the taking for us, you know, win here, and it puts us even further out of reach to, to go in and, and take the group in the top spot, and, you know, from a group that we thought, relatively speaking, that uh, Atletico Madrid was going to run us to the end, and, you know, we could kind of still keep them... Uh, out of arm's length so it's a nice position to be in nick yeah absolutely i mean you think back to the the uh the last match a couple of weeks ago against roma they they definitely had their way um you know i think this will be really tough um hopefully we have angolo conte coming back it sounded like that was a possibility um although i think 
we all kind of shudder at any sort of re-injury prospect there. Uh, but I think the midfield needs to cut off supply to Jekko. Uh, I think that's kind of your your first stop. And then, you know, really be able to boss um, what's going on. So uh, hopefully we do have our full complement of midfielders to choose from, Dan, and, and, and maybe we go back uh, with a midfield three. Yeah, I mean that—that that is the option. Or you potentially could see, uh, you know, Drinkwater get some minutes here, or Fabregas. Uh, Fabregas and Bakayoko probably end up being the two that start in the center. But you, know, you, you never know, and because if Conte is coming back, you know, in the the weekend for United, that does give you know the wonderful Antonio uh, a few more options then to choose from. Yeah, that's what at Crumper Corner, Crump Cornerback uh, was tweeting at us saying, without Conte, how should we expect to line up? Um, obviously, Moses is still out for us, Chidge, but I mean, assuming you'll see as best of a lineup as Conte can field. I mean, your Champions League on the road, um, we're top of the group, but it's still a bit fine margins as that group goes. Mm, it's going to be really intriguing, isn't it? Because we've got Man United at home on Sunday. And uh, in a sense, that's a must-win match. I think, you know, one thing we didn't really talk about earlier on was the, you know, the fact that we've now got two wins in a row and we need to get a run together. We know we're capable of it. That's what we did last season. But if we're going to stay in this title race and challenge City, we need to keep winning. So United is a huge match for us, I think. But I think this is two. And this is, this is, this is the dilemma that we have this season, you know, Conte, I think, is desperate to prove that he can uh, manage a side that will go a long way in the Champions League because he didn't really... Well, he got to the semi-final with Juventus, I think, didn't he? But his track record is not too good other than that. So he'll want to win this, I think, or at least not lose. So he's got to put a strong team out. Um, Kante, well, I would play him if he's fit, but if if there's any risk with him at all, I wouldn't play him. Uh, Zabacosta will obviously play for, for Moses. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I, I, I mean, you know, Roma, Roma looked very, uh, they looked a very good side in possession of the ball. I mean, Nangalan is a very good player and, and uh, I had to eat my words about Kolarov and Dzeko who I'd roundly coated off on the fan cast and of course they, that came back to bite me in the arse, didn't it? Um, but they looked a very good side in possession and going forward and we were under real pressure. But they are shaky at the back. They can be got at. I'm amazed looking down, you know, your little list here that uh, they've not conceded a goal since they played us, uh, because they did look they did, they look ropey at the back, as did we, of course. So, you know, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens uh, on uh, on Tuesday night. I, I wouldn't be able to call this one at all. Well, I mean, obviously they played Torino, who we know um, has Belotti up top, but then they played Crotone and Bologna, so. I'm not a Serie A expert, but I feel like maybe that's very like on the same page as Everton <laughs> as far as is that goes. Uh, thankfully, Roma still do, still do have some injury doubts. Uh, Schick, Defrel, Emerson, Palmieri, Strutman, and Shirawi are all kind of going to be game time decisions. So they're still not at full strength as well. But, uh, you know, it's Champions League. Everyone's going to up their game. So, uh, Nick, as of right now, we are planning to record after that match. So people can listen for that. But um, any other thoughts that we want to round off this before we uh, call it call it a wrap on this one? Um, I, I think the only thing I would mention on this is, 
you know, with the with the United match being on Sunday, you know, even even traveling, you know, the team should be in pretty good shape. I know, you know, those those Wednesday to Saturday um, back and forth are, are difficult, so um, might might be worth a, a shout just to play our strongest team in both. Uh, it is good to point out that Man United also play Tuesday against Benfica, uh, just to say. So we'll both be playing on Tuesday and Sunday, Dan. They're, they're at home, aren't they? They are. Mm. Yeah, it's a little uh, international trip for for the Blues this one, but uh, you know I, I do like Nick's shout. You know, let's play a strong team. Let's go through the week with two wins and head into an international break on a, a three game run of wins in the the league and a you know a, a win in the Champions League. I think that's uh, the perfect way to head into November. Awesome, uh, Chidge. Champions League last last thought. Well, as I said, it's 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 intriguing. I mean, I don't think either either side neither side will want to lose this, um, given the positions that we're in, uh, and also given that Atletico are quite a way behind. On the other hand, you know, if we lose this, we don't want to be relying on either beating Atletico at home because I I can't believe that they're as bad as they seem to be, and actually going away to Carabag is a tough away trip, even though they they're a pub side. You know, nobody's nobody's stuffed them over there, have they? So, I mean, I think Atletico drew, and uh, Roma only beat them 2-1. So, you know, it would be lovely. An ideal world is we do another smash and grab uh, over there and come away with the three points, and then we can put the Champions League to bed. But I think I think it'll be a tough match. I mean, given given the the you know given how they played against us at the Bridge, it'll be a tough match. I think so. Yeah, I think he needs to put his strongest side out. But as I said, we also need to beat United at home next Saturday, next Sunday. So it's going to be a tough old week. It could be a really interesting week to see how this team's progressing. For sure. And then obviously after United, you're back on another international break, which is exactly like it uh. happened before we played City and it let it go in the same week. So hoping not to repeat all of what happened that week. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode with our final thoughts uh, because we'll see you very soon again this week. Uh, Dan, final thoughts for our amazing listeners out there. Uh, you know, just a, a great thanks to Chidge for joining us for this time. And uh, hopefully we, uh, you know, are talking and podcasting about a win the next time we sit down with one another. We're very much looking forward to that as well, Nick. Uh, what about you, man? Bullshit. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and play that on loop as we roll this one out. Uh, Chidge, uh, anything, whether it's Chelsea Supporters Trust or the fan cast that we yeah. should touch on? Well, it's. I mean, just to say thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure being on your little old show, and uh, it's fantastic to see how well you've you've been doing You know, since you started it, and long may that continue. Um, yeah, we had a Supporters Trust special general meeting uh, last weekend, um i haven't actually had a chance to put the podcast of that of the meeting up uh it's well worth a listen if you care about what happens at chelsea um the supporters trust does a great job uh representing your views whether you go to the games every week or if you live abroad and we've got a we've got a huge amount of support for the supporters trust from the states um which which makes me feel very happy uh the other thing is we did a we we did a question and answer session with a wonderful pat nevin who was uh a brilliant player for us in the 80s if if you guys in the states haven't heard of this guy go on to youtube and uh, click on pat nevin i mean he he was basically our version of eden hazard 
in the in the team that we had in the eighties, and he's he's a great favourite of many of ours. And his his he's also now a, a, he does a lot of commentary and punditry on uh, on the radio in England. So he's his views are very interesting to hear. So I shall upload them both soon. And uh, talking of the Roma game and talking of eighties legends, I don't know if you know, but I do a podcast, kind of a it's like a, a like a mini Chelsea fancast. But I do a podcast every Thursday with. Uh, Kerry Dixon, who also played for Chelsea in the 80s and was our second leading uh, goal scorer until Frank uh, got to the top and bumped him into third place behind Bobby Tambling. But Kerry's a great, great, great lad and a hero of many, uh, you know, many of my generation. He's a big hero of ours. But we do the podcast on a Thursday, so it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about the Roma game and also looking forward to the United game. So that'll be out on Thursday, Friday this week. We will definitely retweet all of that and keep you guys posted uh, of everything they do, as we always do. Uh, We are members, paying members of Chelsea Supporters Trust and would encourage you all to do the same. Uh, But that being said, Chelsea fans, we got to wrap it up. It's going to be, like I said, a short week, a quick turnaround, uh, but all the podcast love coming your way. So make sure to, you know, just be on the lookout for it. So with that being said, until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.